Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, the Real Joe Quinn. Recording this on a Monday as we have now entered a new month of June. This, of course, is our first podcast, our first June podcast. Amazingly, the year is almost halfway over, uh, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, time is not waiting for anyone, uh, especially when it comes to this NBA season. We, As each game goes by, we getting closer and closer to the offseason. Which should be, you know, which should be a lot of fun considering what's on the horizon with this new CBA. Um, so we're going to be in course with the NBA Finals, which is two games in. And again, you guys, girls and guys, continuously disrespect the Miami Heat. Uh, Denver has a solid performance in game one. They kind of cruised to victory. Probably wasn't as close as the score indicated. They did exactly what they were supposed to do for the team that's favored to win and have, have home court advantage playing against a team that was coming off a brutal seven-game series. They did exactly what they were supposed to do, and that's what was to win game one. But that wasn't enough for you, enough for all of you. You, you know, you we started hearing sweep. And can Miami get even the uh, gentleman's sweep? And, you know, there's Miami and even Denver's class. So you start hearing shit like that. It's like, hold on. It's like, slow down. Let's, let, let's slow down here. Miami missed 16 wide open threes in game one. Um, Jimmy Butler was bad in that game. You had Bam, but, you know, Bam out of bow take, you know, 25 shots. Um, Gordon and, yeah, you know, you get big games out of Gordon and, uh, the number of Miami role, a number of Denver role players is like, okay, calm down. Again, it's game one of the series. And lo and behold, the Heat had to remind you um, who they are and why they are playing in the NBA Finals and why they now have been basically, basically the, number, the best number eight seed in NBA history in terms of wins and also um, tying uh, a record for uh, comeback wins, uh, being that winning games after trailing by 10, along with a couple other Heat teams in 11-12, and also, uh, I believe, Golden State from last year. So they, they constantly have to remind you who and what they are. Like, this team, um, this team is not going to get ran over. Like, they're just not. Uh, they, again, I, I feel like I have to have the same conversation over and over when it comes to to uh, the Miami Heat, but you know they'll keep again. You'll hear some stuff, you know, after this game, fluke. You know, Denver clearly a better team, so on and so on. Um, on I'm telling you, gonna come up. It's gonna be Game Seven <laughs> in the fourth quarter, tight game, and you'll be saying, "Oh my God, is Miami Heat about to actually win the 2023 NBA championship?" And again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, uh, but don't be surprised. Uh, whatsoever. Uh, in regards to last night, listen, it was a complete 180 of game one. So, all the things that they needed to happen in game one happened in game two. They shot the three ball, you know, 17 to 35. They limited Jamal Jamal Murray to a pedestrian game for him, a mediocre game for him, considering how well he's been played in the play, playing in the playoffs. They made Jokic a scorer instead of an assist man, which, again, Wicked poison. Again, he can score 50 and beat you. Like he's that great of a player. But you have zero chance if he's in that 10 to – if he's in that 
eight to twelve range as far as his assists. Definitely, definitely double digits. Last 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 night they held him to four assists, which was a playoff low. Uh, but he still, you know, what he had forty one and ten, which is just ridiculous, and seemingly scoring at will. Like he was just scoring. Like it, there's no way, there's no stopping him from scoring. But again, you want that if you're Miami. That is the only way you have any chance in this series. Um, you get nice performances out of Duncan Robinson. You got a nice performance. Of course, you had a the great performance to me out of Kevin Love. And, I, and that's where I thought the game was won for Miami as far as adjustments and moves. Kevin Love gets reinserted until you start in, it's back into the starting lineup after three games, after missing that, after basically sitting basically the last three games of the, of the Boston series or the last two games of the Boston series and game one in this series. And they will not win this series or have a chance in this series if Kevin Love is not on the floor. They just, they're just just too small without Kevin Love. They are. I mean, Miami is bigger at all spots, um, just about um, – so even with Jimmy Butler and Aaron Gordon, I mean, you know, you could put Aaron Gordon on Jimmy Butler. So they had to have Kevin Love to have any Kevin Love be on the court. And he didn't. He was a plus 18 last night. He did not. And he was decent defensively. Actually, you know, a couple of possessions where he moved his feet and didn't invent, and didn't uh, compromise their defense, their defense. And for the second straight game, I thought that Miami, that, that Miami acquitted themselves well defensively. Like, First, you look at the first two games in this series. Um, you know, you hold Denver to what one hundred four, and then nine, and then one hundred eight. I like that's that is you know, if you can hold Denver to under one ten, I think you've done your job. To be honest with you, in these two games, Denver has had spurts where they've made shots and they've had spurts where they've looked unbelievable offensively, but. Overall, I, I think Miami has done as well as you could possibly do defensively against a Denver team that we that you know is you know frankly the best offense in the sport right now uh, with Jokic and some of the weapons that they have, especially if Jokic and, J- J- and Jamal Murray are playing at an All NBA type level, and Jamal Murray is playing like a playing like a number one uh, in terms of some of his playoff performances. So. I, I think Miami's defense has been fine. Um, I walk away from the game thinking that, yeah, we're going to have this. What, what what last night told you is it's going to be a dogfight, and they're going to make – if Denver wins the series, and I still think Denver is probably going to win the series, but they're going to be it's, – it's going to be an absolute just dogfight. They're going to make Denver – Earn this series, like they're gonna, like they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to dig. The Denver is going to have to dig deep to win this series. They're not like the ideal that you know. And I was telling people this, telling a number of people this, that Denver, when you're trying to win a championship, the hardest thing to do in sports is learning how to win. That's the hardest thing to do. Care how much talent you have, you can have all the place, all the pieces in place. The hardest thing in sports is learning how to win, period. Um, I look at the twenty, the 2000 Lakers, right? Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Shaq MVP, Kobe legit top five player. They had great role players that year. That year, you know, Fox, Glenn Rice, 
Um, I know they're great, but they, I mean, they, they were loaded role players, a young, you know, they're all the role players are basically in their prime. They're without, with the exception of AC Green. Deep team, probably the Lakers most, uh, I don't know, the 98 Lakers. One of the Lakers more talented teams in the Shaq Kobe era. I, 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 in 2001, I know it was dominant, but as far as pure talent, that team was loaded. Now, the, now 2002, after Glenn Rice left, Fox and Oi, those guys emerged and they ended up being a better fit. But as far as talent in terms of those championship teams, those liquor championship teams uh, with Shaq and Kobe, I thought the 2001 was the best, was the most talented one. I say I bring that up because they went, they lost a number of games over the course to get to a championship. Remember, they go five, they go to four or five games against Sacramento, which was an AC. They uh, go seven, almost blew a 3-1 lead, lead against Portland in that classic 2000 uh, final conference final, and then they uh, go six against against Indiana despite being up three one. Um, and that series was much closer than what a lot of people remember. That was a very close series. Now again, Kobe Bryant did get hurt, missed the game, so maybe it wouldn't have been that close if he been healthy. That's a whole other story. But you look, you go back and look at that series. That that series was was way closer than what people certainly will remember for. And, and Lakers will clearly be better though. Uh, better or clear a better, better team. But my point is, there was no Denver was not going to walk through, just waltz through and win a championship. It's not how the league is right now. These teams are too evenly matched um, in basketball in general. Like, there's no dominant team. And the idea that a team that's never been there before, has never been in the finals, trying to do it for the first time, is going to go in and just dominate it, that, that rarely, rarely happens. For the first time, like that, you're talking Chicago Bulls in uh, ninety uh, ninety one, and by remember, Jordan's twenty nine, Pippen's twenty five. They had been through a number of playoff playoff battles with the Pistons. They were they were bad. Like the Pistons, once they got through the Pistons, everything else was cake. Like the Lakers were were basically ice cream for the Bulls when you when you when you get past the, those Pistons teams that gave the Bulls just you know just um, heartaches and and uh, heartaches over the course of those particular years, early, late 2000s, excuse me, late 80s, early 90s, or late 80s uh, into 91. Um, so you're not going to just waltz through and win a championship. Like, look at my, look at Milwaukee, which is a comparable team to Denver. Like, I give Denver a slight edge because they have better offense, probably better offensive players. I couldn't say Milwaukee is probably with a better defensive team, but I give, I'll, I'll give Denver a slight edge. You, you know, I think Giannis is better than the Joker. The Joker. I get late. Let's let's say they're close to being even. Milwaukee goes seven against Brooklyn. They go six against Atlanta. I know they had some injuries, but so did Brooklyn. They um and they're down two row against Phoenix before winning four straight. So again, you're not going to just run through teams uh, to win a championship. Even the Lakers in 2020 with five. LeBron, Prime, Prime Anthony Davis, they struggled against a Heat team that was in that had a bunch of injuries. If you remember in that 2020 finals, okay, like they went five against everybody else, they dominated the West. But when they got to the finals, uh, that that was that was not that series was relatively close. That uh, Laker uh, Heat series, closer than probably it should have been, considering some of the Heat injuries. But my point is, those these days, you know. These days of a of a team just running through, even Golden State last year, 
had to go six and then go had to go back to back series had to go six against Memphis and then six against Boston. No one's is there's no no one is dominating the NBA playoffs. You're not just going to overwhelm these teams, and there was no way to me as talented as Denver is, they had the best player uh, that they were going to uh, just run through this Miami team that is just loaded on heart, coaching, culture, the whole nine yards. Um, so we also closed, closed the free throw disparity. Um, again, I think, you know, they had the one great quarter. Their fourth quarter was a, like, that was an epic fourth quarter for, for Miami as far as efficiency. That was one of the most efficient fourth quarters and productive fourth quarters a team has had in the last two seasons. They had they had 36, they scored 36 points on 19 possessions. Think about that. 36 points on 19 possessions. Again, the most efficient quarter in the last two years. And that's like, that's encompassing well over 2,000 basketball games. So that's how dominant they were in the fourth quarter. Um, we have a series again. It would have been hard to take this series, to take this, uh, this these finals serious, if Denver goes up 2-0. Like I'm sorry, I it would, I I think that would have tuned a lot of people out. So one one, you can go in. We'll see what again. Denver has an opportunity to cross off another checkpoint. This is their first home loss. They're gonna go into Miami. Miami's been great at home. Um, losing home court advantage, and listen, if they if they are worthy of champions, then if you're Denver, you go out there and handle your business in Game Three. Period. I think Miami, if Miami wants to win this series, I think they probably have to win Game Three. To be honest with you, I think, I think Game I, like when you take home court advantage, you want to make it stick by winning that next game and put up and put the pressure on uh on the road team. Now the road team in terms of the possibility of facing a 3-1 deficit. So you need, they need to win that game. I think Miami, game three is bigger for Miami than it is for Denver. And remember, we have not gotten the classic Jimmy Butler game as of yet. He was very good yesterday. He was very good, was not great, but we have not gotten that game. We haven't gotten that game in, in, in a while now. Like I think you have to go back to game probably two or one I think you might have to go back to game one in the conference finals where he was just unbelievable. Even game, I mean, he had two other game two and game seven. He was very good, but he, like he hasn't had a Jimmy game, quote unquote Jimmy Buckets game in a long, in, in a while. And I think realistically, realistically for Miami to win this series, he's going to need two of those in this series. Like you're not right, as good as Gabe Vincent has been, as good as Duncan Robson has been, even Bam for the first two games has played very well. It's going not it's not gonna be enough against this Denver team. Because I don't anticipate, to be honest with you, don't anticipate Jamal Murray having another bad game. I just don't. He's been way too consistent in the playoffs. His bad games have been few and far between. Now he normally he normally gets one one bad one in a series, like game Two against the Lakers. Um, Phoenix, he had a game, game two against his game two. As a matter of fact, I think about his game twos have not been good. Game two against uh, Phoenix, he was horrible, even though they won that game. Game two against the Lakers, he was bad. He still won that game. So, this is the first 
game where he's really been has been bad and they haven't been that they haven't survived it. So he's only gonna give you one of those in the series. Like you're not like you're not gonna get a steady diet of uh Jamal Murray being not being uh being bad in the series or having a bad game. It's just not he's been way too consistent. Uh just got to he has too much confidence. Um that's not gonna happen. Miami played ten guys last night. That certainly was altitude related. I would have to think I don't think that they're going to be playing that many moving forward these next two games. I'll be very interested to see their rotation these next uh, two games when they return to you know regular altitude. Uh, altitude. Um, again, we're going to see what Denver, Denver is made of. Denver kind of came apart last night. A lot of bitching and whining to the officials. You know, for, again, first time in the finals. You have, you have to keep that in mind in terms of the coach, in terms of a lot of their players other than KCP. Um, I still favor Denver in this series. Uh, Jokic is just, he is that dude. Like, I, like it'd be hard for us to see a Jokic team losing, uh, him letting them, let, letting them lose this series. Very hard press. But they're, again, they're going to have to fight for it. They're absolutely going to fight for it. Um, as far as adjustments for game three, uh, you, I think you're going to see Denver's going to try to take advantage of Kevin Love. Um, if I'm Denver, I first of all, Denver had too many. Like they had to close out on the three point shooters. These throughout these first two games, Miami has had way too many open three point shots. Now, game two, they had a couple breakdowns, but it wasn't as many breakdowns as game one. The difference was Miami actually made the shots, so it looks it looked worse. But the breakdowns in game one was just they they were fortunate to get away with those, and some of those breakdowns they did not get away with in game. Um, in game two. So they're going to clean those up. I would try to take Gabe Benson out, uh, to be honest with you. Keller Martin right now has been basically a non-factor. He's, I think he's hit like two shots, two field goals in two games. Gabe Benson would be the guy that I need to, I need to cool down if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm Denver. Like I need to, I need like, like Miami need to kind of cool the, the, the cool down Murray for the game to have them have a chance. Gabe Benson, you know, had a Murray-like game somewhat last night with some of the shot-making that he had, not to that level, but close to it. Um, and he's shooting the ball very well, shooting the ball a lot of confidence. I need to kind of like, kind of like, you know, bring him down to earth, back down to earth. If I'm Denver, find a way to exploit Kevin Love, which you can do. We know you can do defensively. Find a way. To, my What I would try to do is I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to force Miami to go small. That's what, because I, I think that I, 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 I think I know that the Heat, that Denver has a, a distinct advantage when Miami plays a small lineup. So I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, my goal is to play Kevin Love off the floor. Get him off the floor. Now, game three, um, Tyler Hill could be back. It has not been as we're recording this podcast, it has not been made, uh, no announcement, uh, announcement has been made on that. They need Tyler Hero to win this series. I I don't think they can win this series without Tyler Hero, to be honest with you. They need all the scoring. They need someone else to be able to put the ball on the floor that can create for themselves as well as others. That's something else that might, that Denver will have to, they will have to worry about. That's another shooter. So, I this is, they need Tyler Hero. Uh, and again, not to be, they don't need the 2020 bubble Tyler Hero. You're not going to get that version, but 
just somebody, just a, a guy that can be a threat that can get hot and knock down four to five threes in a game, which he can if he gets hot. They need him um, in this series. They need all the firepower they can get. They need a Kel- They need at least one good Keller Martin game. They can't have him, you know, be basically a non-factor in these games. Uh, they need everything. Miami, listen, Denver is a clearly the better team. They are clearly the better team from a standpoint of personnel and talent. That's that. Don't let my praise for Miami get in the way of just common sense. Like I'm not like my Denver is it, the the room for error is small, minuscule. Like Denver had all those things. Miami had all those things going for them last night, and they won by three points, and they but within a Jamal Murray three point uh, three point away from being going over have to win in overtime. So the room for error is very small for Miami in this series. But again, they've made a habit of doing things uh the absolute doing things the hard way. And again, they are a tough, tough team. That's it. They just they they are they they are the definition of die hard. They really, you really have to regardless of who you root for, you have to respect their approach to the game. You have to respect how they play the game. Our deep dive is going to be uh, in regards to the uh, to the coaching situation. So you've had um, a number of coaching uh, got uh, a coaching news since we last spoke last week. Uh, Nick Nurse is with, of course, with Philadelphia. You have um, Monty Williams now with uh, Detroit, signed a record deal. Uh, Adrian Griffin. With him, of course, with Milwaukee, uh, so things are trying to uh, things are starting to sort its way out in regards to the coaching, um, and of course, uh, Phoenix hires Frank Vogel. I'm sorry, I almost forgot. How can I listen? I, I'm sorry. I apologize, Frank. You helped us win a championship. <laughs> we forgot about the guy who helped the Lakers win a championship in 2020. Frank Vogel gets another shot um, after being fired by the Lakers a couple years ago or last or year before last. Uh, after the 21-22 season, uh, he gets another shot um, with the Phoenix Suns. Listen, it, which had me thinking about what does coaching look like uh, in basketball in the NBA in 2023? What kind of coach should you be looking for um, to run your organization? Not run your organization, but you know to coach your team. You look at the last 10 years, guys like Ty Lue, Nick Nurse, Spostra, uh, Steve Kerr have won championships. Um, have won championships. Those guys, all I would say, were are kind of out of the box type coaches. Um, in terms of Kerr and Lou, ex players, um, Spostra and Nurse, of course, are known for their X's and O's. I'm looking at a coach right now. What I what what I want out of a coach, and I, I just think that to be honest with you. Uh, I, I think that I need a coach who played in the, who played uh, who played basketball right now. And listen, I'm not I'm not going to sit up here and, and, and tell you that playing you know playing in the NBA gives you a X's and O's advantage uh, as far as in terms of knowledge of the game. I'm not going to sit up here and say that. Uh, you could be knowledgeable and not play the game and just train at the guy like Greg Popovich or whoever, Larry Brown or whoever, and just have a wealth of knowledge about the sport of basketball and you just weren't good enough to play in the NBA. But to me, it's more about the connection, connecting to players. That is even more than X's and O's. It's about 
connecting to players. And if you don't connect with, with today's player, you have you don't have a chance. And you don't have a chance in hell. You just don't. Um, I need someone who so I'm looking for someone who played in the NBA. I'm looking for someone who's probably you know under the at the oldest, fifty. Like I again I'm I just think this is where the game is going. Like I think fifty fifty to fifty five or fifty I you can't I, I just think that this you know, certain coaches in terms of age, in terms of that, you know, that run of the mill, that that recycled coach to me is, is a dying breed. Like, I wouldn't want Doc Rivers coaching my team. I don't want uh, – there's some guys that I don't want coaching my team anymore. I Budenholzer, nah, I'm good. Even with the championship, I'm good. Because I've seen I, – I mean, I've seen I, – they, I think they won the championship in spite of a coach, but to be honest with you. Frank Vogel, I respect Frank Vogel. I'm sorry, I'm good. I'm good on Frank Vogel. I'm good. I, I, I like. I don't. I wouldn't hire Frank Vogel if I'm Phoenix. Sorry. I, I like. I, I just think that you need someone who these guys can connect with on a high, high level. And I just don't think that you can that the like. I think Nick Nurse's X and O. I, I don't even first of all I, the nurse hired. To me is doesn't is inconsequential because in terms of making an impact because the, the culture is some shit like he can't Nick Nurse is not going to be over or to overturn that culture but even without the culture and even without the culture um, I'm again I'm looking for someone who is young innovative and frankly uh, an ex player like I want I'm looking for a Sam Cassell okay. I'm looking for a guy who just who knows who has a strong relationship with today's players, but with with assistant coaching experience. I'm not looking for Steve uh, Steve Nash. Not looking when he didn't have any experience. Not JJ Reddick. No, I'm not looking. I'm not going that far out the box. Like you have to have some on the bench experience. So I think that. And again, these decisions that these organizations are making on coaches, considering, again, I'm going to keep harping on it because you're going to see how this new CBA changes the league. It's more important now than ever before to have the right coach in the NBA. It's almost as important. It's not quite there yet, but it's approaching NFL-like importance in terms of having the right coach. Because it's not about the regular season, but about the postseason. A guy that can navigate you through the regular season and be a great postseason uh, coach and somebody that can make adjustments on the fly in the postseason, somebody that can manage adversity of the postseason. You need that type. You need that type of coach. I don't care about it. stacking wins doesn't mean anything anymore. It means nothing. Like talent can stack wins. You have enough talent on a team, your team can stack wins. And that's why, you know, that's why Spolster is, you know, we talk about the heat culture. Uh, you know, Eric Spolster is the heat culture in terms of what he's, in terms of uh, from the, in terms of what he's done as a coach. Like to navigate the season they went through with the injuries and being, you know, an AC going against Milwaukee to like, you have to have uh, someone who, who will not panic. You have to have someone who the players connect to in a real way. So I think that the to me, the recycle coach to me is, I, I think, I, I think I would not, I don't know how many times I would 
give a guy another chance. But to me, I, I, I'm, I'm staying away from the recycle coach. I, I am. Unless, unless like a Greg Popovich became available and he wanted a job. That's a whole other story, but that will never happen because Popovich is probably one is with Wimiano. He's going to retire a spur. Unless you're getting that level of coach that becomes available, which is not happening, then no. Like, I think at some point, you know, someone gave Pat Riley, someone gave all these young coaches, someone gave Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr, someone gave all of these top, someone, you know, Pat Riley gave Eric Spurs the opportunity. So at some point, you have to, you know, get the guy on the bench or the guy that, you know, has, you know, worked his way up in your organization an opportunity versus the classic recycled safe choice coach. And you saw a lot of that. You saw you saw a lot. You're still seeing you're still seeing that with uh uh, uh, uh with a Vogel to a lesser extent with the, with the but with a coach Buttonheiser Buttonhoser you're gonna see he's gonna get another job somewhere. Uh lesser extent Nick Nurse is only his second job. So you know I, I don't consider him all the way recycled. But you you have more than two jobs. You see you see it now with Monty Williams. This will be Monty Williams what third job. Yeah, speaking of Monty Williams, because I wanted to get to that. Um, so, Monty Williams goes to Detroit for just an insane amount of money. I'm talking a record deal, six years, $78 million. Listen, I, uh, first of all, if you're Monty, you absolutely have to take it's, it's hard to turn down that type of money. That's like FU money. That's like, that's hard to turn. I, I don't knock Monty Williams at all for, for taking that money, for taking that deal. Because number one, it's not that much pressure to win in Detroit. They have a young team. They don't have super high expectations. Okay. And there's no way they want to fire. They're going to get fired right away and have to pay off that type of contract. It's not, he, he has the ultimate job security. Um, and he's getting paid by from Phoenix, by the way. So Monty, Monty's out here winning. Winning these in these uh in, in, at the bank, he is winning big time, to say the least. But if you're Detroit, like how desperate could you be? <laughs> you you give a grandfather offer to someone who has, doesn't even have a championship. And, you know, I know that those coaches are hard to find, but man, you couldn't like that is. Uh, it's an insane amount of money for Bonnie Williams. And I like this. I think Bonnie Williams is a legit top seven to eight coach, top 10 coach. I'm not going to say top five. Uh, but just outside, he, I think he's outside the top five. I like Bonnie Williams a lot. He's a, he's a very good coach. But I'm sorry. I'm not giving him the grandfather offer. And it's not the first time Detroit has paid. An insane amount of money for coach for a coach. Stan Van Gundy had not only I don't know what the exact salary salary was for Stan Van Gundy. I don't feel like I'm not gonna look it up right now. But remember, Stan they made Stan Van Gundy a general manager, and he had one finals appearance. Like, what what are we doing here? Stan Van Gundy with no no general manager, no experience, no front office experience whatsoever. So this is what happens with these franchises that have been just. You know, who just do things ass backwards and who have had so much admired in losing that they just start they again they get desperate and they start making decisions that just that just boggle your mind. Like there's no way I'm not I'm not giving Monty Williams seventy eight million dollars to coach my team. Just not. And I I don't think that 
this is going to set a I, – I don't think it's, this is good for coaches because you're not going to get – like, well, another team is going to say, you're out your mind. We're not paying you that. That's They're stupid. That's why they've lost. That's why they've been terrible since, you know, Joe du- – not Joe Dumars, but since Chauncey Billups and Rashid Wallace. That's why they – like, we can't – we're not – there's no way we're giving you that type of money. No, so don't think that this is going to set a precedent – President for other coaches to get paid this uh this uh amount of money for for uh uh as as a head coach it's not gonna happen that is ultimate that is the ultimate outlier contract it is like it is but again I give whoever my losers agent hats off to them they definitely did their job uh, in the program with uh Kyrie Irving um probably wouldn't be talking about him until at least you know after the finals after the draft but you know. It's, it's Kyrie. So there was a report out the athletic uh, by uh, Sharms, uh, Shan, Sean, uh, Sam, Shams, Sharna, uh, apologize for butchering his name, um, that says that Kyrie Irving is apparently recruiting LeBron James uh, to come to Dallas and to form a super team along with him and Luca. Uh, Okay, so there's when well, I mean less than zero chances of this happening. There is let there is beyond it's 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 a. Well, I say saying no chance of this happening is an understatement uh, of the of the year. This this will never happen. Um, not so much Kyrie and LeBron playing together, but LeBron leaving L.A. to go to Dallas, like. And again, if this is true, if there's, if Kyrie is indeed, if this is true, then Kyrie is more delusional than we actually believe he is to be. Because as LeBron James, he still has another son in high school, has has bought up all types of real estate in L.A. Why the hell would I come to you? <laughs> I mean, does Kyrie really realize who LeBron James is and? LeBron, the ego LeBron James has from that standpoint. I mean, so I'm going to come to you. You know, yeah, I got if LeBron, if, if if this is true, and you, LeBron James is probably thinking to yourself, who you think who you think I am, Kevin Durant? Like I'm not, I don't follow you. You follow me. If we if we're going to get together, it's going to be in L.A. Like that. Like <laughs> I heard this report. I just I just start laughing. And I mean, besides the fact that the Lakers have no. Lakers have nothing. Excuse me. Dallas has nothing that would even remotely, like, get the Lakers, get the, get the Lakers on the phone to make this deal. Putting that aside, there's there's no way that, that LeBron James would follow Kyrie Irving. Think about it. Think about what I just said. LeBron James following Kyrie Irving. That sentence. I should. That sentence should never even be uttered in life, ever. Like it's just not it's just not gonna happen. And this is type of this is the type of shit that you hear like in July when the rumors start swirling, free agency, things like that, or trade or even during the draft and trades and things like that. I didn't expect to hear this right now. I I, I did not I was a little surprised to hear this now. But that's I mean, this is the NBA that we live in, that the news uh cycle for the NBA and the gossip cycle for the NBA never stops, especially amongst these players. Uh, that know each other very well, and all of them, you know, know the same ages and what have you. But 
folks, there, there's no chance. I, I there's zero chance this happening. Then I, you saw you all saw something today. Draymond would take a pay cut and form a super team to go play with LeBron. He loves LeBron. But he does not. He doesn't love, love LeBron to where he's taking money out of his own pocket. Like Draymond's still trying to get paid. Like Draymond's going to get somebody. Draymond's going to get paid from someone. Draymond probably is not leaving Golden State. He's not. You know, Draymond's not taking a minimum wage pay cut or any type of pay cut to go play with LeBron James. It's just not. It's just not happening. Like you just don't. You you don't know. You don't know Draymond Green if you think at this stage of his career. Draymond Green has made a lot of money, but he hasn't made that type of money to where he like Kevin Durant. Uh, LeBron James, he doesn't have Draymond doesn't have his own shoe. Like he has, he like he has endorsers, but not like that to where he could be like, all right, I could take a pay cut. Like no, these guys, these guys don't take pay cuts. Like, like in twenty twenty three, like you're not like it's just not going to happen. He's just not like these guys. There's more. Think about it, folks. There's more money in the NBA than there's ever been, and these guys want all of it, and rightfully, and, and I'm not knocking it. They want all of it. Your playing career only lasts for so long. So you have to plan for the future. And a lot of them, to their credit, are already planning right now for retirement and, and post, uh, you know, post NBA career with broadcasting and other business ventures, tech and what have you. And, and again, hats off to them for that. I don't think NBA players get enough credit for that. These guys are not because like no, they want they they're going to be a new television contract. They're going to get more money. When the streaming, all that goes in, they're gonna like the the, the pay. You're gonna be seeing guys, the top top players making like eighty to hundred million dollars a year. That that's coming. It's coming. It's coming quickly. And some of the middle guys are gonna be making like thirty to forty million dollars a year. So, Kyrie, LeBron, well, it's not gonna happen. I don't even see even Kyrie being on the Lakers. To be honest with you, I think Dallas would move heaven and earth to sign Kyrie and 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 what have you. Uh, and, and I, I and by the way, which is their problem because I wouldn't, you know, I would move Kyrie, try to get Kyrie in a sign trade. But uh, LeBron, that, the idea of LeBron James following Kyrie, that that will never happen. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. I will see you. You will hear from me later in the week as we continue to follow the NBA finals and also, you know, getting some other, get into some other things as well. Have a great rest of your evening. So long.